you're stuck in a dead-end job And your boss looks like a guy from the mob Do your best and don't be a slob Be a rock star and not a blob Stay positive When you're trying to get your master's degree With a spouse at home and a kid or three It's tough for a while but not eternity Smile, whistle and believe Stay positive Again, welcome to the culmination of our Stay Positive series. And over the course of this series, we've been emphasizing the fact that our loving God is working in every situation for our future good. So that will give us a positive outlook and also encourage us to make a positive impact on the world around us. Because if this is what God is doing, He's loving, he's working in every situation for our good, then that's the kind of thing his people are going to be doing as well. And over the course of this uh, year, we have experienced so much turmoil, so many ups and downs. But really, there was a lot going on even before we entered into this COVID-19 phase of life. Uh, and I was reminded of that as I was preparing for this week's message and thinking about our uh, regathering strategy and thinking about, uh, I encountered a couple of things. One was I read about a person who was a Christian author, is still a follower of Jesus, but decided a while ago that he just wasn't going to bother going to church anymore. And it wasn't because he didn't believe anymore, it was that there wasn't a compelling reason in his mind to participate in a local body. And this is just part of a trend that we've been seeing. Yes, uh, there are, uh, it's more challenging now with everything that's going on, but this is a trend that has been accelerating over time, where even the most committed people were only averaging what you know, nationwide, showing up at church maybe one to three times per month out of four weeks. And so this is accelerating something that's already been going on. And then on top of that, once this hit and online option became the only option for a while and all kinds of disruption, we saw that uh, interest boosted at first, but now people are getting kind of weary. And it made me think about the fact that, you know, what would happen if a church shut down? What if, uh, you know, a church didn't survive this? Actually, thankfully, there are many churches, including ours, that are thriving in some ways. But what would happen, and this is a question that I've had even before this, what would happen if our church shut down? Would you miss us if we were gone? Would our city miss us? Or would our community rise up and say, oh no, we miss them. They were doing so much good. They were having such an impact. Well, I think that that's the way the church should be operating. But can we say that of ourselves? Will we be missed if we were gone? Now, what we find is that, you know, Jesus wants us to be on mission 
And if we are on mission, then we are going to find that we will be making a positive impact and not just people who are showing up at a particular place at a particular time on Sunday morning, but the whole community could be impacted by what we do. At the beginning of the year, I read something uh, that talked about the value and the impact of just choosing one word to focus on. What, like a, a, just picking one word to kind of be the theme. My wife Sue Ellen has done this for a couple of years now. And when I was thinking about it at the beginning of the year, this is the word that came to mind. The, main, the, the word is mission, that I, I want us to be a church on mission. And what does that mean? Well, that means that we are going to be working towards the kingdom and for the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? I like the way uh, one pastor described it. It's the, every place where Jesus is king. And then recently I had run across this definition, the effective range of God's will. Now, what does that mean? That, that means you know, wherever the kingdom of God is, that's where God's will is in charge, wherever Jesus is king. And when a person says, I'm going to follow Jesus, what they're saying is, I'm going to surrender my will to the, to the Lord. And that effective range of God's will, what God wants to happen, extends to that person. And they begin to cooperate with God and affecting his will. And so if we're on mission, then we're going to be seeing the kingdom of God spread. That was Jesus' way of describing what he was all about. And we're going to see God's will spreading and growing in people and communities and families and households. And there are two aspects to that. First, you have to, and they're summed up in the great commission, which is the most famous formulation of it. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and beyond. 28 and beyond, no, 18, 28, 18, there we go, uh, and beyond. And uh, it's two parts. It's to, uh, it is to baptize, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That's when people enter into the kingdom of God and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, Jesus said, to continue to do what he wants us to do, his will being spread in and through us. Another formulation, just to kind of, so you can see that, Jesus summing up why he came for the Son of Man, talking about himself, came to seek and save those who are lost. What he means is there are people who are outside the family of God, outside the kingdom of God, that belong inside the kingdom of God. And his mission was to seek and save those who were lost. And then to teach them to follow him, to do the things that he taught us is reflected in John 13, 34, the new command, the new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. That we would love people the way Jesus loved them, sacrificially, selflessly, being others-centered. So I talk through all of that to say that one of the things that I want us to make sure that we get as a church 
is to recognize that it is not just about what we do when we gather. It's not just about that hour on Sunday or hour on the weekend, whether we're in person or online, however we are gathering, that really it's much more than that. That we want to have an impact that goes far beyond that one time when we gather together. And so as the culmination of our Stay Positive series, we want to see our congregation, the people of God, citizens in the kingdom of God, family members within the family of God to make an impact, to have a positive impact on the world around us. And what I'm gonna suggest is that we need to put our words to work and meet needs with deeds. Put our words to work and meet needs with deeds. That is the bottom line for today. Every week on Cornerstone Online, we give you an opportunity to respond. And this is part of our being on mission. And the number one response that you start with is saying yes to Jesus. You see, just being a part of a church or growing up in church or reading your Bible or whatever religious activities you may participate in, that's not the essence of what needs to happen. The essence is to say yes to Jesus. What are you saying yes to? Well, you're saying yes to his forgiveness because you're saying you want what Jesus did on the cross to count for you. Yes, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, and you're saying, yes, I want that to count for me. It's not automatic. It says, to those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Every one of us is created in the image of God, but you have to actually receive Jesus to be a part of his family and to be a child of God. You're also saying yes to Jesus as your Lord. He's not only your Savior, but He's your Lord as well. You're acknowledging that He is the boss, that He gets to call the shots in your life, that He is who He says He is. And so we're going to encourage you to say yes to Jesus, to start your new life. He says that He'll give you a new heart, a new mind. He will write a new ending to your story. He will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. What He starts, He will carry through all the way to completion. And He will every day be working to craft a masterpiece out of his people's lives. He will create you anew in Christ Jesus in, to, and give you good works to walk in every day, empower you for that, change your want to, and give you the power to follow through. So say yes to Jesus. You can, uh, we wanna be able to celebrate that and also resource you for your new life in Christ. Text yes to our church number, 603-225-2550. And you can also, if you're watching on the Church Online platform, click that raise hand to show that you are committing your life to Christ. And then click that next button to connect with us so that we can celebrate with you and resource you. Thank you and say yes to Jesus. Let's look at a passage of scripture that will kind of get us to the place where we need to be. This is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 
25. There's one verse in particular that's uh, kind of a famous verse within there. You might recognize it when we get to it. If not, that's fine. But what we have here is a letter to Hebrew followers, to, uh, to Jewish followers of Jesus in the first century. And he's encouraging, the writer is encouraging them to persevere in their faith. And this is a call to persevere. It says, beginning in verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have provided your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us because we want to be faithful to the commission that you have given us to go and make disciples, to baptize them, to bring them into the community of faith, and then teaching them to obey everything that you have commanded. And we want to be faithful disciples that love others the way you loved us. So I pray that you would help us to get a vision, not just for an hour on the weekend, but 168 hours a week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that we would be on mission, that we might be a positive impact on the world around us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So let's look at it together, and I'm going to give you three aspects as you work through this passage of what I think the author is saying. And the first phase, that first verse, he's talking about get in. If you are outside of the kingdom of God, if you haven't become a follower of Jesus, that first verse talks about getting in. Get in on what God has done for us. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. Now, remember, I said that this passage is written to Hebrew believers. So there is a lot of imagery, a lot of Old Testament background to everything that the author is saying. But the most holy place was the place within the temple where God symbolically dwelt. The, only the high priest was able to enter in, and that only one time of the year. And what he's saying is that now we, because of Jesus and what he has done, can come into God's presence. That's the idea, that we can boldly enter into his presence, not based on what we have done, but by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened to us through the curtain that is his body. Now, what's he talking about there? Let's unpack that. Whenever the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, he had to offer a sacrifice. And the sacrifice that has been offered for us is Jesus, who willingly went to the cross and sacrificed his life 
for us. So that's the blood of Jesus. It's because of Jesus' death, his payment of the penalty for our sins that we can enter into God's presence, not on presence, not on our own account, by a new and living way. You see, when those sacrifices were offered, the sacrifices were killed. Jesus went to his death, but rose again. So it is a new way. It is a living way open to us through the curtain. There was this huge, massive curtain between the Holy of Holies and the other parts of the temple. And that was the entryway, the place of entry. So in order to go in, the priest would have to go through the curtain. It was also this curtain that was torn, ripped from top to bottom when Jesus died on the cross. So how do we get into God's presence? We go through the curtain. Well, what's the curtain? Well, it was Jesus' body. It's his blood, it's his body. It, it, he's the sacrifice, he's the way to a relationship with God the Father. He is the, the, the way that we come into that relationship. And since, it says, we have a great high priest over the house of God. So Jesus is both the sacrifice that made a way, that paid the penalty for our sins, but he's also the priest. He's the mediator between God and humanity. So all of this is just basically, let me bottom line it, it points to Jesus. If you want to get into the family of God, Jesus is the way. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So if we are going to have a positive impact for Christ, then we have to be a part of the body of Christ. We have to be in God's family, in his kingdom, and the only way that that happens is through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross. Then, when that happens, when you have uh, a relationship restored with God, then you are able and he empowers you and he directs you so that you can put your words to work and meet needs with deeds. That's what Jesus did and that's what followers of Jesus did. But he also, in this passage, we're told we need to get in, we need to follow Jesus into the presence of God, but we also need confidence, get confidence. And that's what the next passage, I think, is helping us to do. It says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, a true heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings. You see, when we are thinking about being used by God, often it's our guilty conscience and our failings that stand in the way. We think, surely God can't use someone like me. I've blown it one too many times. I have these problems that haven't been resolved yet. And so I don't know, you know, if, if you're not confident in your standing with God, then it's hard to give yourself freely to be used by God. There's always that wondering, does, does he accept me? Does he love me? Have I blown it one too many times? If you think about your earthly relationships, if you know everything is cool between you and a brother, between you and a friend, between you and your spouse, there's a great freedom in that relationship. But anytime you wonder, 
Are they upset at me? Are they angry at me? You don't know where you stand. That introduces a whole lot of insecurity and it puts a halt on the relationship. But what we have here is the author of Hebrews reminding us, hey, it is not about you. It's what Jesus did by his blood. He paid for your sins. He's the priest that mediates between you and God. There's no nothing between you now if you say yes to him. So he encourages them to draw near with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Here, it's again, going back to that Old Testament imagery. Whenever a sacrifice was offered, the blood from that sacrifice was sprinkled on the altar. Now, what is blood? It is, a, it is evidence that the sacrifice has been offered. When you see the blood, you know that the sin has been paid for. And so he's saying, look, when you, when you go before God, you can have a clear conscience because all of those sins, all of those shortcomings, all the ways that you have offended God, Jesus paid for on the cross. You can have your heart sprinkled with that blood. You see the blood. You know that you are forgiven. And then he says that uh, having our bodies washed with pure water. The idea there that our, we, we just get filthy, dirty with the sins of this world, but because of what Jesus did, we can be washed. And it also is suggesting two of the ordinances of the church. When we take communion, we are reminded of the blood of Jesus. And that is a reminder that the debt has been paid, the sacrifice has been offered. And when we are baptized, then that is a picture of how we are, our sins have been washed away. That's part of the imagery of those two ordinances. And so he says, look, because of what Jesus did, because you can see that the sacrifice has been offered, because you know that when you were baptized, it just symbolized the washing that you received, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promised is faithful. It's just confidence after confidence. It's not about you, it's about what Jesus did. And now he says that we have a hope. Well, what's the hope? That he who began a good work in you will carry it through to completion. You don't ever have to worry if God is going to keep working on you. He's committed to you. He has sacrifice his son so that you might be brought into the family of God. For he who promised is faithful. He's not going to give up. He's going to keep you safe. He's going to keep working and he's going to bring you all the way to the end so you can have confidence. Once you say yes to Jesus, you're a part of his family. Once you recognize that it's because of Jesus that you have all of these blessings in the body of Christ, then you don't have to worry about it from that point on. And you have freedom in that relationship and you don't have to worry and God will use you and you have freedom to put your words to work and meet needs with deeds. You don't have to worry about trying to earn God's favor, you're already in his favor. And now you have the freedom to serve him with a clear conscience. And then lastly, you're in and you're confident. And so now you can get 
busy. And so that's what he, he tells us. Now, you know, this is all settled, so let's get busy. Let's be about the work of God. Let's make an impact. Let's put our words to work and meet needs with deeds. Let's get busy. The way he puts it in Hebrews 10, 24 and following is, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Spur one another on. Consider, let's, let's think about it. Let's brainstorm it. Let's figure out how we can spur. One translation might be provoke. You know, sometimes people get provoked to anger. What if we were just constantly encouraging and provoking and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds? Love to put others first, good deeds, to follow uh, in Jesus' footsteps and doing the right thing at the right time. And then it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, this is an important point to make. Jesus, that this is kind of like a, a sub point. It's the main thing that we're supposed to be doing is just putting all of our mental energy into figuring out how we can go forward with God, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And one of the tools that we have in our tool chest is when we get together. So the purpose that Jesus came for was so that we might, as Ephesians 2.10 puts it, uh, we were created anew in Christ Jesus so that we might do the good works that God prepared in advance for us. We're supposed to be making a positive impact. We're supposed to be using our words to build others up and finding needs and meeting them with our deeds. And as a tool in that, we gather together. But the whole thing is not to have a meeting, it's to get together and worship and experience that together and spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And so if we are just getting together and that one hour of the week is checked off, but it doesn't make a difference in the way that you live the 167 other hours of the week, then it's not really accomplishing his purpose. Jesus did not go to the cross so that we could have meetings. He went to the cross so that we could be made new within and live that life out. Meetings are a great and helpful tool, and I'm excited that we're going to be able to do that in person again soon. But let's not lose the, the big picture that it's to encourage one another as the rest of that verse says. So we consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. We don't give up meeting together as some do. So, you know, it's, it's easy to slip out of that habit. It's especially easily now that uh, ministry has shifted so much online and there are so many uh, complications with getting together, but let's continue to use that tool and every other tool available to us to encourage one another. That's what the New Testament writers did, and in fact, that's why we have a New Testament. Paul talks about er, over and over again to the churches that he's writing to, I, I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to get together. I can't wait to be able to encourage you face to face to provide some kind of spiritual encouragement to you. And that's what I want to see as well. 
But what did he do when he couldn't do that? He would use the technology of the time. He wrote letters and he would send circular letters to the congregations that he had started. And that's why we have the New Testament. That Many of the parts of the New Testament are those letters. So we're going to meet in person. We're going to leverage technology to encourage and to spur one another on. But however we can do it and whenever we can do it, we want to encourage one another. And we're going to put our words to work and meet needs with deeds. And I think this is two aspects, our words and our actions that we can use to accomplish this. So yes, let's meet together. Yes, let's do leverage every kind of technology that we can find to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. But let's not remember that those things are a means to an end and not an end of in and of themselves. So two ways that we can make a positive impact are words and our deeds. Let's look at a, a passage that will be review. Ephesians 4.29, we looked at it, that in the past couple of weeks. Do not let any unwholesome talk, rotten talk, come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful. And what's going to be helpful? Is it edifying, building others up? Is it meeting a need according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen? Is it beneficial? So all of our words, whether our words are spoken, whether they are in person, or on the phone, or a text, or a social media post, or a letter, however you are using your words, we run them through the, this filter because we wanna make a positive impact and how we, we look around and we say, okay, how can I be helpful? We're always asking, how can I help? What's the need? How can I help? What's the need? And we think about that with our words as well. So run it through that filter. Are my words going to make a positive impact? Are they going to be helpful, edifying, meeting a need, beneficial to those who listen? I won't park there because we've talked about that in the last couple of weeks. But let's also talk about our deeds, meeting needs with deeds. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus tells three different stories. This is part of the third story. He says something pretty amazing. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. This is crazy. What he's saying is that every time you do something for another, it's as if you are doing it for Jesus himself. Let me read part of this parable, this story to you. Again, Matthew chapter 25, beginning at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. He'll separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. 
Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. See, the reality is that wherever we encounter people, whoever you encounter today, wherever you lock eyes with someone, any other person, that is an opportunity for you to serve Jesus and to meet needs. And the Christian perspective is that everyone that you encounter has just incredible worth because everyone is made in the image of God. Think about it this way. Uh, you think about our flag. Our flag. A flag is important because of what it represents. Why do some people want to revere and honor the flag? Because not because they're excited about a piece of textile or cloth. It's because it represents the our nation. Why do others want to burn and trample the flag? Because it not because they're upset at at textiles and cloth. It's because of something that it represents. And so when you encounter someone and you disregard or don't serve or, or dismiss, anytime we do that, it, it, we're, we're, it's not just that person, it's who he or she represents. They are image bearers of God. And Jesus takes it one step further and he says that anytime you serve others, anytime you meet a need, anytime you do a kindness to someone, that's going to go to your credit, to your account, as if you did it for Jesus himself. But then the contrast is kind of sobering because that's not where the story ends. He goes on to say, then he, the king, will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Why? For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. You see, the reality is that you know, if, we were, if Jesus were standing before us, we would treat him well. We would say just the right things and we would sacrifice and we would do whatever, we would bend over backwards in order to meet whatever needs and whatever thing he asked of us. Jesus died, resurrected, went to heaven. And now he's saying, I want you to love each other. I want you to love others the way that I loved you. And now he's teaching us through this parable that every time we encounter somebody that has a need, it's an opportunity to serve him. 
and I just see him wondering. I see him asking, will you miss me when I'm gone? Are you, are, are you going to miss the opportunity to show love to me by loving your neighbor and loving your brother and sister? Yeah, it would be sad if, if a church closed down and people didn't miss it, but how much more tragic, how much more sad, how much more devastating that Jesus could be in our midst and we would miss him and miss the opportunity to serve and love Jesus. And so he calls us to make a difference, to make a positive impact, to be always looking around and asking, how can I meet a need? How can I help? How can I use my words to edify and be helpful and build up and encourage? How, what, what resources do I have in my hands that I can leverage for the benefit of another? And if we will not miss Jesus, even though he's gone into heaven, then we will be a church that, will, uh, that would be incredibly missed if we didn't live this out. And the fact is that right now, every one of us, and, and this is challenging, you know, when I, when I watch this, I, I deliver this message to myself. And I have to ask, you know, what, what has God placed in my hands? How can I meet needs? How can I make a difference in the world around me? because that's what he has called us to do, to put our words to work and meet needs with deeds. So here's my challenge that's to me, to you, everyone watching. Let's just go through this week with our eyes open. Let's not miss the opportunity to love Jesus and show, and show Jesus love and kindness by loving the people around us and just ask this question, how can I help? Sometimes you're actually going to literally say those words, go into the situation and not, uh, you know, oh, they should have done this better. Or, oh, we should have been doing that. But just say, okay, things aren't right. How can I help? How can I contribute? When you see someone and you can think about how, 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 how am I going to use my words to meet a need? How am I going to use my words to be helpful in this situation? We put our words to work and meet needs with deeds. If we just ask, how can I be helpful? How can I help? Then we will be and stay a positive impact on the world around us, no matter what is going on in the world around us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this is incredibly challenging and convicting. We want to be a people that live this out. This is a dangerous prayer. We talked about dangerous prayers, a dangerous prayer. We want to be help. We want to see in every person that we encounter the image of God and the opportunity to love Jesus and make us a church that is always on the lookout for how we can help and help us to make a positive impact on the world around us. Give each one of us, I pray, the wisdom to know what we should do with what we have heard and the courage to act on it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.